season two of the Adult Children Voices Across America Speakers Meeting podcast. You can attend this meeting live on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific Time using the Zoom ID 848-5208-0640, password 061120. For more information about adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families, visit adultchildren.org. The following speaker share from Michael O. was recorded on June 15th, 2023. I'll give a little disclaimer that I've really put some effort into this to not be offensive. Don't use any four-letter words or blah, 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 blah. But I have had a, a pretty harsh life before I got into recovery. So the first couple of pages are you know, a bit tedious. And, but I got a good message recovery by the end, right? So yes, I'm, I'm an ACA. I am a member of this program. I have, uh, in fact, pay, paid my dues for over half my life <clears throat> growing up in 12-step recovery circles. So yeah, I'm a qualified member, for real. I have a disease that is chronic, incurable, and fatal. I will die with this disease, and hopefully not from it, right? Yet, I continue to abstain from getting loaded. If I can, you know, I can keep that disease from progressing and then begin to enjoy true recovery. Recovery being, quote, an active change in my ideas and attitudes. I will begin to realize and make better choices in how I choose to live my life. Personally, for me, I got to be clean and sober first before I can do any kind of deep healing recovery work. I believe this disease is threefold, mental, physical, and spiritual. Therefore, recovery from this disease must address every aspect as well if I want any lasting beneficial change of lifestyle. Just abstaining from drug use alone, and yes, alcohol is a drug, That'll only take me so far, like the relief of removing a bad fitting pair of shoes. I also need to continue to seek out and embrace a relationship with a positive and encouraging spiritual entity or higher power who I can trust to help guide me through life's junk. You know, the trick here is to turn shit into fertilizer that promotes spiritual growth. Philosopher Frederick Nietzsche uh, quoted, that which doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Uh, So what, is this like spiritual chemotherapy? Maybe. Um, I also need to seek out and work with, quote, outside help to stabilize my mental health issues. And just to be crystal clear on this hot button issue, mental health is not an outside issue. It's an inside issue for me, especially. And mental health professionals can only be of so, so can be of no help whatsoever unless I stay clean and sober to start with. So I got a little bit of song that I'm going to sing in between these verses. My thoughts were gnawing at me, so I tried hard not to think took a pint of whiskey and I poured it down the sink. Gonna get my act together, I swore it to myself. Looked at your picture and I knocked it off the shelf. Cause every little bit counts, 
Every little bit counts. Once I had attained physical sobriety, then and only then can I begin to undo the damage that was done to me by a harsh life circumstances and the dysfunctional, abusive society or culture that I was raised in. Like most of, in most of these rooms, I grew up in an alcoholic, codependent, dysfunctional family system. And it wasn't just mom and dad here. This disease I'm talking about was a way of life for the culture I saw all around me. And I never fit the paradigm that I was born into and forced to live with. Um, some of the stuff that I grew up with, the cliche principles that I was indoctrinated with, includes boys don't cry, never show a sign of weakness. A real man never backs down, fight to the death. Man stays on top, right? The man kills the food and the girls cook the food and clean the house. Do what you're told to do. Never, ever question authority. Or a man can handle his whiskey straight. No chaser. And, uh, um, and the worst one, this still really hurts me to the core. Art is for queers. I was born an artist. And so I don't believe that I was genetically born with this disease. Scientific research has found no evidence of a so-called alcoholic gene or whatever. I believe I adopted this disease. I took it on as a maladaptive coping mechanism to a hopelessly unacceptable situation that I was born into. If, for instance, the Webster's Dictionary of the word queer might mean, quote, different from others or one's peers. Well, yeah, I was, I was definitely queer, all right. Maybe not homosexual, and there's nothing wrong with that by that definition. But most certainly, I was artistically inclined, oversensitive, soft-hearted, gentle, and sweet-natured. A nice boy. <laughs> but here's the rub. Nice guys finish last. Mostly, we don't even get a chance to compete. So as a way of compensating for my inner weakness, I started to develop an attitude problem before I ever started a drinking problem. Wide open, no breaks. <sighs> I started abusing that first drug alcohol at pass out stage or puke drinking at like nine, 10 years old. Alcohol was also the last drug I finally put down at age 27. During those 27 years, I consumed deadly quantities of every drug known to man. I was first sent to substance counseling in high school and then all through my army service years, I was fired from jobs, I lost love affairs, watched friends and family die in the war on drugs. I suffered two divorces, two suicide attempts, ad infinitum. Now we'll go to the second verse of that song. So I tried and I tried and I tried to be good. Wanted to be good so bad. Well, I tried and I tried every trick I could. I emptied out the whole damn bag, but it was too little, too late, sorry, too little, too late for me. 
So August of 1984, I chose a treatment center over a 12 gauge shotgun in the mouth. Three months in that treatment house taught me the 12 steps and introduced me to my quote, true tribe. This was a desperate group of men and women for whom this was the last house on the block. I had a stark choice, sober up or die. Still, it took me almost two years to stay completely abstinent. And here's why this is such an important point of distinction for me. Loopholes, excuses, justification, and outright half-truths just don't work for me. There's no such thing as halfway pregnant. It's all or nothing. Go for broke. Full throttle or leave it parked in the garage. Well, so how did I do that? I humbly asked for help after humiliating myself, of course. That's not necessary, by the way. And I started the process of surrender. <clears throat> Ugh, that's, that's a hard word. It still has a bitter taste. However, I begrudgingly began to do what was suggested to me, i.e., number one, write out all the steps, not just what I understood to be applicable principle, but what I disagreed with as well. Number two, attend a meeting every day, not just 90 and 90, but keep going until I want to. What kind of cockeyed stuff is that? Okay, okay, it's obvious I'm powerless to control my obsessive consumption, and I can't seem to help myself from acting out behavioral coping mechanisms. So ask for help. It came, and I began to change my attitude and my behavior. The so-called change was not an overnight conversion, however. For the first 30, 60, 90 days, I wanted to get loaded every single day. Just don't pick up no matter what. Go to a meeting first thing in the morning and once again in the evening. Get to bed sober and deal with tomorrow when it comes. I can't tell you guys how many nights I prayed to God Take me in my sleep. I do not want to live through this. Kept coming back. At five to six months of hard-earned abstinence, I still thought about getting high maybe three or four days a week. After nine to ten months, I still had the idea come up once or twice a week, but I still refused to pick up. At my one-year mark, as the Outlaw Biker Club supported me, I picked up my first medallion. And I was asked if I still wanted to get loaded. And I thought, hmm, wow, I haven't even thought about it all week long. Standing ovation. <laughs> I began to feel that first spark of hope in an otherwise dark and hopeless life. So here's the rub, folks. A few quotes by some well-known philosophers. Once you've glimpsed a state of divine consciousness, once you see the reality of the sacred, you don't forget, you know. Philosopher Bill Richards said that. Once you wake up, you can't go back to sleep again. Stephen King said that. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these 12 steps, I don't think I like what I see. Micah the Biker said that. However, I started to turn a corner and develop a new lifestyle, a new attitude with a new rule book and realistic principles to live by, such as 
the road less traveled, sure got a lot of stones. Or how about life in recovery is a bowl of cherries? Well, cherries got pits and I done broke a few feet teeth. Oh, but life is a bed of roses too. Yeah, well, roses got thorns. My first wife, Rose, cut me to ribbons and left me to bleed out. And that was all in recovery, mind you. But she also brought me my saving grace and my greatest teacher. Let's try to get through this without crying. Um, <clears throat> yeah, big bad biker's going to cry in front of you. So Rose brought me that little boy we named Tully John O'Reilly. And I grew up right along with him. My oath I swore on the night I delivered him is as follows. I will always love you in all ways. I will always tell you the truth, even when it hurts. And I will always be here for you until I die. So that oath has filled me with the courage and fortitude to walk through two divorces, four career changes, I stuck with the same motorcycle, by the way. I'm still riding that with 180,000 miles. Countless funerals that I didn't, you know, but I didn't pick up or get loaded, not once. My promise to myself is commitment to abstinence. Face up to my fears and trudge the road of happy destiny. Eh, forget trudging. How about skipping down that road? Trudging don't sound like much fun. Had enough of that. Recovery does not have to be endured. It can be as joyful and as encouraging as I let it. I just need to change my perception, clean off my glasses. I like to believe that I've had four lives in this body. Number one life was, of course, my childhood, small town, high up in the redwoods in Northern California, alcoholic and codependent dysfunctional family, Mom and dad were really not to blame. They were just passing on what was given to them, as were the rest of them old hillbillies. I, I lived there for 17 years. I didn't fit, so I ran away to the Army. Oh, boy, out of the frying pan and into the fire with that one. Number two life, U.S. Army. I served from 1976 to 82. Uh, I didn't get to kill anybody, but sometimes I sure wanted to most of the time. I had to endure extreme racism. 30 minutes to go. I should be able to pack this up. I had to endure extreme racism, bigotry, sexism, and I served under bona fide rapists and murderers. I developed a deadly drug habit as a way of coping. Amazingly, I ETS with a full honorable discharge. I went back home to Northern California and engaged in the war on drugs. You know what? Nobody won. Everybody lost. And the battle still rages on. I guess my family would be considered collateral damage. And this is where I hit my suicidal bottom. You guys hear the thunder out there? I live at almost 8,000 feet in the Rocky Mountains. It's beautiful stuff. Number three life, my recovery life in Hawaii. For 32 years, I got to be Micah the Biker on Maui. I helped bring a 12-step recovery to, uh, to the island of Maui. And after 13 years of clean and sober, I got to live my artistic dream of becoming an award-winning custom paint expert. Airbrushing. Ampitukinala, <laughs> Chekiaio.
my uh, I airbrushed Harleys for actors and rock stars. And uh, most importantly, I got to become Tully's dad. And that's what that age group of young adults still call me that to this day. I was a homeowner and a single dad for 17 years. And that was growing up all over again. Third verse of this song. It's never too late, see? No longer choking on the hair of the dog. Been quite a few years now since I came out of the fog. The highs are slightly higher. The lows are just as low. It's a huge improvement on my history, even so. It's never too late for recovery. It's never too late for me. So, fourth life, present day, high up in the Rocky Mountains as I'm watching the lightning strike the hills up there. This is present day, re retirement, high up in the Rocky Mountains, still finds me continuing the recovery process. Still living the artist's dream. But now instead of building and painting Harleys, I do it with guitars. I'm going back to the malignant roots of this disease. I found that I carry deeply embedded shame instilled in me by a macho and misogynistic racist culture. Once again, they didn't know any better, but I do know better. So every time I choke back the tears, draw in a deep breath, and sing in front of people, I heal myself bit by bit, little by little. And literally, by that measure, it's never too little or too late. Without blatantly endorsing an outside enterprise or identifying another 12-step program, but this is where it's at. ACA works for me, man. <laughs> Suffice it to say that I am deeply involved with using my 12-step spiritual toolbox to identify, nurture, and heal the inner child that still resides in the back of my mind. <clears throat> I'm re-recording those old tapes that continue to play in my head. <clears throat> I may not be able to fire the band, but I do have a choice in what I will dance to. And for me, personally, just staying sober is not enough. It hurts too much. Growing up in that dysfunctional, abusive environment of my childhood, that decimated my self-esteem, and it caused me to adopt maladaptive coping mechanisms such as codependency, substance abuse, chronic depression, false machismo, and rage, which, when turned inward, drove me towards those two suicide attempts. That's simply a permanent solution to a temporary problem. However, by embracing 12-step philosophy, committing to abstinence, and asking for help, that has earned me a lot of hope in a hopeless situation. There was a once, can you guys hear me over the rainstorm? <laughs> that has earned me a lot of hope, okay? There was once a time when I was truly a hopeless dope fiend. Now that I've flipped that around, I'm a dopeless hope fiend. Dopeless hope fiend, see? It all works something like this. I came, I came to, and I came to believe. 
remember, this has not been an easy overnight process for me. Grandpa used to say, if it comes too easy, it ain't worth having. Anything worth having is worth working for. So I will continue to show up and keep doing the work, especially the work how Tony A is rewritten. That is not sacrilegious to me. That is very sacred how he got rid of the guilt and shame and called upon me to recognize the God within me that resides within all of us. So I'm winding this up. It's been a long, hard road, and the journey is not over. And as, as long as I draw a breath, life continues. Long ago, that famed poet Robert Frost once wrote, the woods are lonely, dark and deep, and I have miles to go before I sleep. Well, I may be out of the woods, finally, but my work is not complete. Not yet. The journey continues. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for not teasing me for crying, guys. Real men do cry. Hoorah. <laughs>